all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, all my fellow Sky Watchers, from every single part of this earth. We're back live on air once again on this beautiful June 10th or 11th, depending what part of the globe you're in tonight. Don't matter. It wouldn't be the ninth. It could be the ninth. Maybe the tenth. Maybe the eleventh. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if there, if there are any time travelers, please. Call we don't know. Tell us what week it is. Of course, we're broadcasting from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida. I'm Angel, and and with me, of course, as always, is my hetero radio life mate, Alan, also known as the other guy. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. How about you? I've seen better days, but I'm surviving. All right. Well, by the way, <laughs> someone is ringing into me from Pangea Institute, or I guess they're not anymore. Okay. No. That was really weird. Huh. That that would be our guest tonight, Scott Marlowe, who's going to join us at the Ooh. second hour. Now, okay. Scott Marlowe is somebody I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time. He talks about uh, cryptozoology, Bigfoot. Another you know? Bigfoot guy. All right, fine. Yeah. As long as I don't have to call Bat Squatch, I'm okay. With well, here's the, here's the thing. You know, I'm not a huge believer on Bigfoot. You know, I'm not a true blue believer. But, but, but some people, you know, and he's a big butt, they say the Bigfoot might be connected to UFOs. So we might get into that tonight. Oh, uh, okay, fine. Yeah. Maybe, well, I, perhaps. This, this, the skunk ape and Bigfoot, you know, the whole thing is, is they have been stories about that for not just years we're talking like centuries all across the globe so is it possible um i'm thinking yeah i honestly think that you know a bigfoot or some other type of bipedal hominid that you know is some offshoot of something somewhere that's out there i think that's more than i think that's more than possible well it is a big planet we live and inhabit so it is possible yes that there's some form of life out there that we haven't discovered yet within our own planet. But We're discovering new species every single week. The only thing that bugs me, though, about the Bigfoot uh, you know, mythology is these are not small little creatures. These are big, humongous, you know, gigantic creatures, I mean, bigger than men. So for that to be undiscovered for this long and for nobody to just you know, run up to one and just put a bullet in its head with as many people as you know, supposedly have seen these things, well, uh, it's on, a little hard on. for me for, to if, understand if why hasn't happened. If, there's, if they're as sentient and self-aware as we think they are, uh, you know, I think it's more than realistic that they don't you know they're smart enough to stay out of stay out of sight. 
When was the last time you actually found a elephant graveyard? And they're bigger than us. Everybody True, always says, but know, we see elephants in the jungle. We know they exist. See elephants, but we we know they exist, but we don't know where they go to die, and you never find an elephant graveyard or bones. Well, also, I haven't been looking though, Alan. That's the thing. Well, th- th- it's not like they dematerialize. Have you? It's it's not like you see them like in the middle in the middle of the. And jungle, you know what happens to elephants? Getting uh, two stones you know what? together. You know, starting a fire and then jumping on, you know? Yeah, but you know you know what happens to elephants in the jungle once they die? You know, people grab their carcasses and they make bone stuff out of, you know, their bones. No, 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 no. They go after the tusks and primarily the tusks only. Speaking of tusks, I saw the movie again this week. Oh, okay. Really? Love that movie. It's so good. Really? Well, I watched Game of Thrones this weekend. Uh, I'm not going to give anybody spoilers, though, but anybody, you know, there's a really good Father's Day scene in, in, in there. You know, I still haven't seen not even one episode of Game of Thrones. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. man, you you really need to see that. has nothing to do with UFOs, but, you know, the the Christopher Walken dead just showed up on it. Um, True. You know, it, oh, speaking of, speaking of Walken dead, um, did you hear, it, have you followed the Daredevil series? Dude, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, okay. I know all about it. They just cast The Punisher. That's right. And Are you kidding is, me? That's like the greatest superhero show ever. The Daredevil. That show was amazing. It's it, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. But we're sidetracking from what our show is about. And if you folks are listening and have no clue what our show is really about, you need to hit the website to figure it out because we're not gonna go through with that. And that website is www.skywatchersradio.com. Also, if you guys want to join in on the conversation tonight, open lines all the way through, even when we have our guests on tonight. Uh, the number is 786-245-8127. Look us up on Skype by looking up Soup Media Network or PSN Radio. You can find us either way. And uh, we'll love to take your calls. In fact, yeah, but fo- folks, do not call it and heckle our, no, our no, no, no. guests. You could heckle me if you want to. I got no problem because I'll get. Oh yeah, he'll, he'll love it. He'll take or it. tat for tit, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if it, don't heckle, but actually, please call in if you have some poignant questions or not poignant questions that would be interesting for our guests to. Answer. What I what I would like to like actually get the uh, audience to uh, to call in about is their feelings on the whole Bigfoot mythology. Like, I'd like to hear what people think uh, on Bigfoot itself. Uh, oh, Bobo likes Bigfoot. No, no, do they believe that, it, that, that such a thing exists, or do you think it's a hoax? Do you think, you know, there's something to it? You know, I want to hear what the audience actually has to think, or what they think on the Bigfoot. The only reason I could think it's connected to the UFOs is because when those UFOs are really swamp gas, and the guys inhale, or the gal is inhaling it, and then sees Bigfoot. I still wonder... How nobody's put a bullet in one of those things. Maybe they have. The problem is, is the other Bigfoots around beat the crap out of them. Okay, multiple bullets. Just keep that shooting. Ex- that, explain- that explains why people have disappeared in the woods. Mm, eh. Not many have disappeared in the woods, though. Oh, yeah. Are oh, I mean, you kidding me? Didn't we have someone eh. on, uh, like, last year that was talking about all the disappearances that really do happen in the national forests? Do you realize that True. over eight? Yeah, but there's a lot of yeah, but there's a lot of wild year. there's a lot of wild animals in the uh, forest. I mean, yeah, but, bears yeah, and shit. You know, stuff. Yeah, but you have a hunting rifle. You have something. But there's over eight hundred people per year, minimally, that disappear in forests in the United States alone. We're not talking about anywhere else in the con- in the world. We're not even talking about Canada, where there's a heck of a lot more forests than anything else. Do you know that ninety percent of the Canadians, uh 
that are in Canada, uh, not in Florida, but in Canada, live less than 100 miles from the U.S. border. I did not know that. Yeah, that's actually a really interestingly cool fact. Yeah, and I, I feel really dumb now for not having known that. No, not really. I believe that you're dumb, yeah. I believe that you're dumb. Duh, I need to buy a Duh. Vowel. Yeah. Duh, you know? <laughs> how many lumps of sugar? Three. You know who doesn't need uh, to buy a vowel? Our, our first guest tonight was going to be on with oh. us shortly. Well, not too shortly, but in about 10, 15 minutes, around there. That reminds uh, me, we should tell everybody that uh, the Nancy Birds experience will be not on tonight because yes. we are having this guest. This is a special, special guest. He's a good friend, and he is the uh, actually the CEO in charge. He's a guy who runs uh, Manta Ray Pictures uh, Productions, which is a production house for movies, and and he has a new project that he's working on, and uh, it's about to debut. It's called Devils Five. And okay, uh, what to... happens one through four? Well, you got, I want him to tell you mm-hmm. what happens. One through four. Uh, gentleman's name is Terry Wickham, and I've had him on uh, The Jackal's Head a bunch of times. He's a really good friend, and uh, for this movie, I really wanted to bring him on here because it's a very creepy production. Is it UFO-related? Not at all, but it's still very, Is it very Bigfoot-related? Not at all, but it's still very, very creepy. Uh, well, it might you're... be, because the beast rises. I'll tell you, if this is filler, I'm going to be upset, and I'm going to point it, it out. It's not filler. Okay. So he's a, he's a he's actually a very good guest, and I've seen some of his stuff before. And so he's a he's definitely a good uh, filmmaker. So uh, okay. he he does a lot of short films and and whatnot. And uh, this is this looks really cool. I mean, I'm into like independent films and short films, and I've right. actually been in a couple of them, which I will never tell anybody how to get to them because it's very embarrassing. <laughs> um, but I've done a couple of short films and uh, and stuff, and um, like I said, you'll never know ever. In fact, you know you remember Tico. Alan? Sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tico offered me a role in a movie that uh, he shot this past year. Right. I don't know if I told you about that. Nope. Now, I, I haven't really it. talked about this uh, much because it's kind of a, it's a funny uh, role. It's a, it's a funny movie. It's called Drag Hell. Okay. Okay. Uh, think of the title, Drag Hell. Okay. I'm assuming it, it's about car. It's like a Fast and Furious in the supernatural world. That would be actually a good version of this thing, but no, unfortunately, that's not what it is. It's about a zombie apocalypse within a drag queen nightclub. <laughs> oh, my God, really? Um, I kid you not. It, it, it's not even a B movie. What letter is it? Uh, Z for zombie? I don't know. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I, I saw some footage because he actually put some stuff on the Internet, and I'm like... I'm so glad I passed on that. Uh, but it looks interesting enough uh, for other people, not just not for me. Uh, he wanted me to play a part of uh, a person who, not a drag queen, thank God, uh, but the role they offered me was a uh, patron at the club. So basically I'm one of the dudes there who was there to look at the drag queens dance. And <laughs> supposedly the, I had some interaction with one of the drag queens where I asked for money that, that I was owed because I was a, supposedly a drug dealer because I guess I'm typecast as a drug dealer. I don't know. And uh, uh, they started... Yeah, I can see you looking like a drug dealer. Yeah. Hey, yeah. See, that's messed up, man. I've never even sold what? drugs. That's messed up. I-, I said you could look like the part I didn't say you did. I said you could look like that. Okay, that's much that's much better. I guess okay. I, maybe I I could be typecast and make big movies as a drug dealer. I don't know. Just not once involving drag queens. That's just not cool. Uh, but anyway, so they wanted me... You look me, like uh, the overgrown Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. I guess. 
this character, I guess, was dating one of the drag queens, and in a part of the zombie apocalypse, that drag queen turns into a zombie, killing my character, biting me, and turning me into a zombie, and uh, I would have been a zombie in this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Okay. That's kind of what I said when I heard the concept. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. And then I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave now. I'm backing up really slowly out of the room. And thanks, guys. It's for... like, you need me to do what on film? No. Now, there was no uh, hanky-panky or any uh, kissing scenes or any, you know, stuff going on with any other dude or anything in the script. But you, you, when you get to one of those productions, you never know what the director's going to make you do. So I was like, you know what? I'm not even interested. Thanks. Uh, no, it's cool, man. <laughs> I'm I'm not a thespian, first of all. So I really, like, I don't have aspirations to be in movies. You're a thespian trapped in an actor's, on a radio host's body. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to transition. I'm going to go on on, uh, on Diane Sawyer, and I'm going to talk about my transitioning from a thespian to an actor's body. Okay. Yeah. Can we can we uh, book that? Folks, if you want to complain about... Can we about book that? Funny, can we... What? No, too, too soon? It, too soon? If, if you want to complain about... Too soon? If, yeah. If you, if you want to make... Folks, really? Yeah. These these jokes are just not punny. They're not punny at all. Wow. You you walked right into it, man. You, you punny? Really? Punny. Punny. P-U-N-N-Y. Punny. Anyway. Moving on. But I am not a thespian. I'm not an actor. So I... Uh, I really had no desire to be in that production. Uh, I I do want to create movies, so like directing. This is how Tico and I became friends because he, you know he's a director and stuff. And I always wanted to be a director and do movies and be behind the camera. I, I have no really interest in being in front of the camera. I'm not exactly Brad Pitt. I mean, Alan. I know that back in the day, <laughs> uh, back in the day, I know you had to beat the girls off me with a stick back at uh, you know Prestige. Uh, but you know, I'm not yeah, Brad Pitt exactly. You know why? Because you were wearing fly paper. And, you know, they they were all just getting stuck to you that way. That was the only way you had to beat them up with a stick. Oh, that wasn't flypaper, man. That was Michael Jordan cologne. Well, you had to drown yourself in it. We smelt you a mile away. Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to be like Mike. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but you're not Magic Mike. Sorry, man. Not that Mike. Jeez. Really? Okay. Well, not someone's clicking in again trying to call me here. Mr. Penji. Uh, well, he he's supposed to be on much later, so don't worry about Mr. Pangea. Okay, so I'm gonna hang. I'm gonna disconnect his call there. Uh, do you want to reach out to him or type to him saying it's later, or tell him I've, to listen to the show? That unless would be great. Calling, unless he was our call-in caller. That'd be great. Yeah, I think that so. would be great. Um, well. Let's do right. this. Any, uh, there anything is, in the world, anything in the news going on? There, there is something that I wanted to bring up, uh, which actually was posted on ArtBell.com before we go on breaking in about five and a half minutes. All right, tell uh, me, tell me. You haven't really been keeping up with ArtBell.com, have you? No, I haven't. I have a life of my own that I've been trying to focus on uh, doing a couple things with. I, I, you know, I trust your skills and judgment. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So what are you trying to say about my life? No, 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 no. I, I'm trying to say that I trust you and your skills and your, your everything. Are you, you insinuating that I don't have a life, sir? Is I, that what you're I, saying? I, I did not say that. If you're interpreting it that way, that's in Because I resemble that remark. Anyway, back to this okay, news well. article here. All right. Well, check this wh- out. What is it? Tell me. Tell me, All tell right. me. Okay. The me. Large Hadron Collider starts doing science again. Huh? Woohoo! Okay. 
Now, uh, because, you know, what we really wanted on this planet was a little black hole just sucking everybody into it, right? That's what we need. Didn't they uh, do that in Flash? They, they did, and it doesn't look like it turned out too well. Uh, well, yet. you never know. The reboot might be good next season, because they're going to reboot the whole season. Basically, it's starting over from the looks of it. Uh, the, it says here, the highest energy collision ever seen at the uh, Large Hadron Collider are now producing data for science. Teams at CERN, the Euro, uh, Europe's particle physics laboratory near Geneva, Switzerland, has spent two years upgrading what is already the world's most powerful particle accelerator. So they're making it more stronger and powerful. Great. It says here, at 10.40 local time on June 3rd, they officially said the newly supercharged collider running. So, folks, enjoy life while you have it. Goodbye, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for all the fish. It says here, physicists uh, can now smash together bunches of protons at record energy of 13 teleelectrovolts. You mean it is in 21.1 gigawatts? No, teraelectron volts. I don't even know what the hell that is. Uh, and will soon collide a billion pairs of protons per second. That just okay. sounds dangerous. Might be well, nothing. Might be like a little dust. But it just sounds dangerous, you know? I don't know. I'm not there. so Yeah, you're, you're not a scientist either. But it says almost double the previous rate. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's double the rate. The machine was uh, switched off on February uh, 14th of 2013 after the initial period dubbed Run 1 marked by the discovery of the Higgs boson. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know about that. The first the Higgs uh, boson particle? Actually, yeah, I do. Yep. Now, the first uh, beams of proton following the shutdown circled around 27 kilometers uh, ring in uh, early April, uh, but uh, it says here, at low energies uh, since then, physicists have worked uh, to check the, me- uh, the mechanics uh, designed to protect the machine and to collaborate the beam uh, before increasing the uh, increasing the LHC's energy and uh, bringing it uh, its four main experiments fully online. Now um, on June, what the experiments are? Yeah, well, it started on June third. Uh, the collision started in earnest uh, with all four detectors collecting data for analysts. As it's here at this stage, the actual number of colliding uh, bunches is rather small, but the numbers will be progressively increasing, and that's scary within the next couple of months, says Paul Collier, head of uh, CERN. All right, well, we're here. Hopefully we scary. will be here eventually. You know, I don't want to blow up. Please, please, no more blow up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like no. to be... No, I, I want to no be good. here in one piece for the rest of my life. Which no, here's my thing. You know, we read, I read this article. Okay, this is science. You know, this is pure science. What's going on there? Right. Why are we messing with this kind of science when we know a black hole is nothing but trouble? Why are we doing this? Well, when this thing can can create a black, like, what's the purpose? Like, do you know what the purpose of them doing this? Like, okay, yeah, they discovered the Higgs boson. Okay, great. Now what? Now what? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Whoa! Now now what? What's Maybe the purpose? They're trying, they're trying to figure out anti-gravity so we could launch things for, into space a lot quicker and easier. I don't think that's the the idea here. I'm just trying to think outside the box here, man. I'm, I mean, I'm I, don't, not, I, don't, I can't see anti-gravity working with smashing these particles together. That I don't know how that would work. Antimatter, anti-gravity, same difference. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's scary to think that science is going in this route, and uh, I just hope it doesn't cost us uh, our existence. 
Um, well, if, you know... You know what if, I'm saying? If we cause a black hole, we cause a black hole. What else, what else can we do if it's, you know, if it happens, it happens. The only black hole I want is in Liberty City. But anyway, moving on to uh, the last story I'm going to read here today. Oh, that's Shout to my uh, peeps in Liberty City. That's just wrong. And I got, yeah, I got, I got peeps in Liberty City. Anyway, uh, says here, space experts worried about an extraterrestrial land grab. And this actually makes perfect sense uh, when I read this. Uh, check this out. Plans to make money in space are missing one of the fundamental ingredients to any business. Property rights. Right? Because th- there's no you know real estates in space yet. Like Nobody's claiming stake on what's going on in space, well, right? No, no, no. There are people that are supposedly selling space on the moon and Mars right now. Yeah, but no, but it's very limited. Like this is like I'm talking about on large quantity scales. Check this out. If you go mine an asteroid at several companies, as several companies actually plan to do, this is already in the planning stages. Okay. Again, why? Anyway, and because, bring some of the it, because some of those resources that we need are not here. They're there. I don't know. Okay, great. Uh, and bring some of the minerals back to Earth. I guess that's what they're going there for. Uh, can you sell them? Well, if you build a moon base, or uh, uh, which actually, as Robert Bigelow is uh, is planning to do, and uh, someone else wants to land a rocket there, what's to stop them? Now, yeah, like you said, somebody's selling you know property on the moon and Mars, but there's no real laws governing anything. What is to stop somebody to just crashing into your area and just kicking you out? Absolutely nothing right now except for the space court, dun, dun, dun. which doesn't exist. Asteroid miners eager to raise funds uh, to raid space rocks, some of some of which are packed with minerals valued at trillions of dollars, are faced with legal code that was never meant to apply to private entrepreneurs in space, since it was written well before it took anything. Uh, it took anything less than the uh, resources of national government to get out to orbit. So, in other words, uh, when they wrote uh, these laws, you know, we weren't going on to space, and they never even thought about that as a possibility. So, since that wasn't even thought of, none of that really applies to anything in space. So, this means pretty soon you're going to see countries taking over space. And uh, I'm talking about, like, you know, part of Mars is going to belong to the U.S., and this is our territory on Mars. Hmm. This is your territory on Mars, China. This is our territory on the moon. And we're going to claim space. Do you think this could create more wars down the line? Um, Probably. The question is, is where are they going to be fought? Probably on those said planets. Well, you never know because, you know, the decision makers are here. Um, I don't know. Now the funny here's the uh, the end of this. It says here the uh, this week the House of Representatives took a step forward in passing a uh, a commercial space bill uh, designed to clear a path for those businesses. Among other things, it would uh, delay any airline store uh, style regulations of space tourism until at least 2025. Okay, well we might have space tourism before that. Right. But I mean, this is, uh, is, is going to put a stop to selling it, tickets. Yeah, but this is a, this is aimed to put a stop to that. That's the whole thing. Until 2025. Well, even though there aren't rules for it, people will still get themselves launched into space. I mean, the guy who did the whole Red Bull thing, jump, jumping out in the uh, just above, um, <coughs> just below orbit, um, and you know, did the whole um, you know in the space who did the jump and you know landed with the parachute thing. Uh, right. Is that considered space tourism? Not really, no. It's just a space jump. So why is it not tourism? 
because he's not hanging out there for days or sightseeing and taking pictures and sightseeing. No, he's just, just jumping. It's a jump. Okay, fine. It's like you when you go uh, spelunking or base jumping or whatever, you know? All right, all right. Base jump. It's like a base jump, but really high up there. By the way, it takes a lot of testicular fortitude to do that because <laughs> I would never. <laughs> no, man. Uh, that's, that's a really, no. really nice play, way of putting it. I have testicular fortitude. Dun, dun, dun. Because let me tell you something. I consider myself to be like the manliest man, right? Uh, no, that, that's not happening there. I'm not jumping from up there. No, it's no thanks. I saw that, and I was in pain for the guy. Like, I, like it hurt just looking at the thing. Like, and he was okay. Nothing was like happening to him, but like it scared me because I one thing I'm afraid of heights. First of all, and that's really really high up there. And this dude, that was free falling, man. And he was like doing cartwheels in, in 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 the sky. It was crazy. I would never do that, ever, ever, ever. Uh, I don't, I don't even like going up a couple flights of stairs, let alone the edge of space. Are you kidding me? Well, I have my own personal issues about gravity, so you know. Yeah, I like That's having my feet on the ground. Thank you very much. Yeah, gravity's a good thing. Yeah, I don't even like going on the ocean because it's not sturdy enough. <laughs> and I don't swim as well, you know? Okay. Us, us big guys don't swim as well. No, you sink. Like a Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sad but well, true. Sad but true. These things happen. You know, actually, uh, something I wanted to bring up before we go on break here that happened okay. yesterday. Um, as you know, I do the uh, Inside the Jackals head show on Tuesday nights at 11, right. uh, following the Zod Rider show, which is, as I consider it, uh, one of the best uh, four hours of radio or three hours of radio, whichever. We end up doing each night, back to back, Zod Rider, and then Inside the Jackal's Head on PSN Radio, uh, free plug. Um, but I had a guest on last night named Ramon Goose. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, now, when I say the name Ramon Goose, what do you think this gentleman's from? I have no idea. You would think, uh, well, probably Latino, Ramon, Ramon, right? Maybe, maybe, you know, okay. Joey Joey Ramon was not Latino, but okay, yeah. Well, well, he's British, and uh, he's actually a, a blues guitarist. And I uh, had him on to interview him about his work uh, with uh, some uh, you know music that he's been putting out and uh, some performances he's been doing with uh, an African uh, singer who uh, is amazing, amazing African blues singer. Okay. And uh, I'm not even going to try to mention his name because I'm going to butcher that dude's name. Uh, but a, a great show. I mean, a great episode last night. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. And the reason I bring this up, because not only was he a great guest to talk to, and uh, the music was fantastic, uh, we ended up talking for like another 35, 40 minutes after the show, uh, because after the show, you know, we just, after we wrapped up, uh, we started talking about how, you know, good the show was, and, you know, and I complimented on his music and stuff. And then, uh, you know, one way or another, we started talking about the radio shows and stuff, and he asked me about when the podcast would be live. And then I told him, well, you know, it would be live, um, you know, about 15, 20 minutes. It'll be on the website tomorrow if you want. I'll yeah. give you a shout out on my other show, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, what other show do you do? And I told him, well, Skywatchers Radio. And, you know, we do this show on the Dark Matter digital network and on PSN Radio. And the show is all about, you know, uf- ufology and stuff. And, and he's like, oh, I'm really interested in that. And, of course, he had a better English accent than I do. And he started, uh, you know, saying, oh, tell me more about the show. And I told him that the new network is uh, facilitating the return of Art Bell. And uh, and asked him, have you heard of Art Bell? Guess what he said, Alan? He said he had no idea. No, no, no. What? 
Really? I don't know. I, I, I give I you mean, a question like that. It's a loaded question. You're supposed to give no, me something kidding. positive. I'm supposed to be sarcastic. Everybody, everybody's hurt. Everybody who's in any type of a fringe belief knows who Art Bell is. Or at least exactly. they should. Well, I didn't expect a person who's into, you know, blues and just working with African blues singers to know Art Bell. But he's like, oh, my God, I love Art Bell. The guy from Coast to Coast, he did Coast to Coast for years. And, yeah, I love Art Bell. What's he doing? Oh, my God. He he was a complete Art Bell fanboy. It's okay. amazing. I, it blew my mind. And then we started talking about ufology and had a really rich conversation with him about UFOs and the whole paranormal field and stuff. And the dude really knows his stuff. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter who you are and what kind of business you're in and what kind of line of, of, uh, of career you're in. This oh, no, is a topic that everybody's interested in. There are more people out there that are like us than we realize. Exactly, and this is a gentleman from Europe, from London, who I spoke to yesterday, and uh, he loved Art Bell, loves him still, and he's now a fan of the Dark Matter Digital Network, and he's going to be listening in tonight, so shout-outs to Ramon Goose, who's listening in, I'm sure, and a uh, great, great musician. In fact, we're going to play a little bit of his music with, of course, his permission. He gave us per- permission to play it, so uh, I'm going to go off uh, onto the uh, commercials with a little bit of Ramon Goose's music, and... Um, I'm going to uh, put a cover he did. Actually, no, not a cover. I'm going to play a different song. Okay. Hold on. I'm looking through the uh, list here. One that I really like. This was called Mountain Song. I'm going to play that one. And uh, when we come back, everybody, we're going to have Terry Wickham. And we're going to talk about The Devil's Five. That's his project. I know you guys are going to enjoy it, so uh, we'll be back. This is Ramon Goose with Mountain's Song. Take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk stream live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. 
put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fella. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. Everybody, that right there is another uh, song by Ramon Goose, and uh, the singer on there is an African uh, blues singer and an amazing voice. Can't understand a word the dude says, though. I just I, I have no idea, but he's a, he's a great singer, has great vocals. And uh, you know who's also great at what he does, Alan? Uh, no, why don't you tell me? Our guest right now, Mr. Terry Wickham, who's joining us live on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. Terry, this is the first time you've been on this show, even though you and I have known each other for a few years now, and you've been on my other show plenty of times. Uh, but welcome to this show, man. It's such a pleasure to have you on here. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, We're the glad audience... to have you. Yes, we are. The audience on this network, uh, Dark Matter, does not know you as well as the audience on PSN might know you. So give us a little bit of a brief rundown on your background in filmmaking and stuff and what you've been working on. Uh, and then we'll jump right into The Devil's Five, which I know we want to promote. So uh, tell us a little bit about Terry Wickham, the filmmaker. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I've uh, been a filmmaker now almost 30 years. Uh, I saw Halloween in 1978, and it really just had an impact on me. And I wanted to be able to do what John Carpenter did to me as a as a audience member. So since that time, I just started, you know, learning about filmmaking. Started out in high school in the TV production course. Took that into making some uh, music videos, which I call amateur music videos, by taking like a song, whether it would be uh, Pantera, Madonna, or Metallica, and I would tell a story to that. And I did about 30 of those in West Germany and Louisiana and Oklahoma and when I was in the military. And then um, That's that a big difference between, you know, Germany and West Virginia. <laughs> uh, say, you know, that, that's Quite a, a difference. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a little bit of a commute, you know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Exactly, exactly, and and then you know, progressed to professional music videos for artists like Michael Knight, Voodoo Storm, Postponing Inevitable. Then I started doing, you know, at the same time, I started doing short films. I did a short film called Madam Red. Then I did one about called Double Fantasy. Then I made a actually made a feature film. When I was twenty, I gotta ask, what was Double Fantasy rated? Double Fantasy <laughs> would be rated, <laughs> believe it or not, I think it would be like a PG thirteen. Not that kind of story. fantasy, Alan. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was a story about these three girls that go to this old scary house and they tell their fantasies. One is kind of sexual. One is well, funny. yeah. Most of those kind of fantasies do start like that, though, Terry. I'm, I'm, I, say. I'm sorry, my my mind went to the gutter. So you know, which from the start to... of the story, though, Alan, you were right to go to the gutter. I mean, that's what it sounded, it sounded like. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah, and then and then the last girls is more like a Beauty and the Beast love story, and that's kind of the main focus on that particular movie. Then I did a, a feature film that was my first feature film. I made it when I was 24. It took a year to shoot it. We shot 45 days over a year. New Jersey, Manhattan, Long Island, all over the place. And uh, it was not a horror film. It was a drama called Out of Touch. And uh, we finished it. We, uh, I basically distributed it into a couple of theaters that we showed it to, but it never really took off completely. But it's a 132-minute movie with about 40 actors. Okay. Wow, that's that's, yeah, a, that's pretty That's good. a big movie. Yeah. That's, it's a big that's production, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and then and then and then, you know, th- then I did another short film called uh uh what was the next one after that? Oh, then I did a feature film that I directed two films out of the three. It was a film called Evil Streets. It was actually released. We actually self-distributed. That actually went out all over the place. We're in Vangora magazine. We were at Chiller Convention in New Jersey. We sold it in all kinds of different horror film places. It starred Serena Lee, uh, the busty kind of beauty from Florida, played the lead in this episode I directed called uh, Stock. It's about this muscle-bound, obsessed fan that was after her. He was obsessed with her and, you know, follows her around through these dances and such. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and I actually recruited Serena through the uh, the old way of doing things. It was oh, before the internet. Couch. Well, you not aha, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't worry no, about the video camera. Just, just actually, that was, here we have yeah, this was, really cool scene that you know, the way you know, it's like yeah, we you used the casting couch, didn't you? <laughs> I wish I could say that, but no, actually, that was the the days of snail mail. So I actually said to send her a letter because she's from Jacksonville, Florida. Took her like five months. They did have phones because, back then, but don't tell everybody. I didn't have her number. <laughs> and okay. and then I sent her a thing, and then five months later, she responds. We end up, uh, we, we, it was actually for a different movie called Perishing Hearts. 
And I was looking for like this super busty blonde to play this role. And she fit that to a T. And then what happened was I got offered this other movie, Evil Streets. And I told her, I said, I'd like to be part of this little film called Evil Streets. I'll write a story. If you end up saying, yes, I'll do it. I'll write a story about what you already know how to do, which is dance and have this guy obsessed with you. And so she said, yes. And we ended up doing the movie together. But that was Evil Streets. And then there was another movie called The Downfall of Johnny Garrett that I directed about this girl that gets raped by this street punk. And then she calls the assistance of a dead friend through a seance or should I say through a Ouija board to come back and get revenge on the guy who raped her. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's actually a really cool plot line. Is it time for yeah. a remake on that one? That that actually sounds like a really <laughs> Can I that, help you direct it? Yeah, that that one that one actually sounds really, really good. Uh, yeah, I, I like, like that, that, yeah. Yeah, that that was so that was all part of the same feature film, which is Evil Streets. And then, you know, then from there I did a, a short film called Sarah. Then I did one called Washington Road that won an international film contest. Uh, then I did one called uh, Help Me about this writer who's got this um, writer's block and these people come to his house to give him ideas. And I wanted to kind of physicalize what a writer goes through. So they actually aren't real. They're in his imagination. But I kind all of... The people, wait a minute. All the people coming in are of part of his imagination. They're, they're part of the, uh, the imagination that gives them the ideas to write the story. So I was trying to like give people a chance to see what it's like in a writer's head kind of where we get different ideas could be even the same idea but different variations and huh. that was end up, end up being you could actually watch that on my website if you go to mantaraypictures.com you can watch that film it's right there it's about eight All minutes right. long and then and then i did a, a weird it wasn't a it wasn't a short and it wasn't a feature it was like in between it was a 45 minute film called hair of the dog it was about a female serial killer that attacks rapists and people who are participating in rape type things. So, oh, this, like so basically, a, no, it's a vigilanteish kind of a thing, right? Yeah, and she and she's the one dealing out the punishment, and she's this blonde kind of buxom uh, uh, killer. It, it, it seems you have a thing for buxom women. <laughs> Well, well, there's no doubt about it. Join the club. That, yeah, without a doubt, that's my kind of lady. And if you look at a lot of my films, I always try to include that. Because for some reason, I don't see it a lot with a lot of uh, mainstream directors. But um, I try to include it because that's my kind of lady. So you'll see that even in Evil Street. I mean, in uh, Devil's Five. There's there's one in particular in um, Stash that I directed last year. This okay. really dark-haired raven wicked uh, actress named Tina Serbian. And we actually, um, I want, at one point we needed like to have a magazine that was kind of like a, I guess you could say sexual nature. So I didn't really want to have like a, yes, yes, yes. Out, I didn't want to have out and out sex. I wanted to have the boobs. So I contacted score magazine. They let me use one of their issues. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to go all the way, let me just show the biggest boobs. And it wasn't a close-up, and it wasn't clo- far, but there's a girl named Beeshine from Germany, and we had her debut cover. She's really small in the picture, but it's within the scene. It's kind of just off to the side, but we included that. And then in my new movie, Devil's Five, uh, of course, Veronica Freeman, she's a, you know, I guess you could say she's a heavy metal goddess, and she's got the you know voluptuous look and she fits that to a t too she's good so she'll satisfy that part of my audience as well Well, apparently she's satisfying someone there yep okay 
<laughs> it, 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 it sounds all well and good. Have you done any SAG type movies, or you know, I, you know, I, you know? I actually just I just directed my first SAG production uh, in April of this year, just a few months back. I directed a teaser trailer for a TV pilot called and. Existence, and it's SAG. And we shot the trailer in April. It's actually being edited now. And then we're going to shoot the pilot. I'm going to direct the pilot in September, October. It's all SAG. Amazing cast. We got all kinds of great people. Um, now, who, 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 whose idea of whose idea is the uh, series? That's the real question. Yeah, it was created by a guy named Emilio Rosa. He's a producer, writer, actor from Lindenhurst, Long Island. All right. Um, he was. Connected I'm assuming with- at this point you live in New York. Yeah, I do. I live in I live in Long Island. Good and, catch, uh, there, know, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of lucky because there's a lot of stuff going on here, and you can make obviously the acting talent is just fantastic. So I pretty feel pretty lucky. I'm able to work with these kind of people. So is anybody going to the licensing expo that's coming up this week uh, in Vegas? Well, not not anyone from these productions, but in the first oh. weekend of uh, July, right. I just directed a, a, an infomercial for a martial arts product called the super punch and kick target. It's a pen. It's a, it's a new product. That's, you know, got a patent pending, uh, a friend of mine and his wife, Cato and Tina Perjean, um, they created this with their partner and, um, they're taking it to the, to the martial arts festival in Las Vegas. And we're actually, as we speak in post-production on it, I uh, just got my music composer, uh, this really talented guy from Portland, Oregon, named Andrew Miles, who's also known as Deeper Net. That's his band name. He's like an ambient techno electronic artist. So he's scoring it as we speak. Uh, it was shot and edited by Jason Pollock, who's my special visual effects artist on Devils Five. And so we have an infomercial that's going to be debuting there in Vegas in about in about I guess what about two and a half weeks. Well, if it was a really cool product, you should definitely talk to me about that because, of course, Angel knows what I do as a full-time thing is help create, promote, and mm-hmm. design pitches for products to be actually demonstrated at events across the country yep. and world. That's Sweet. what it is. Yeah, he doesn't make his money on the radio here. This yeah, I, I, I definitely <laughs> do not make – this is fun stuff for me. I definitely do not make money here. Unless, of course, folks, you do want to call in and donate money to us. Uh, we do like that. Uh, Make it out to Angel Espino. Like hey, 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 hey. Don't worry, I'll share. I'll share. I'll I'm share. One, Relax. I'm the one who had to deal with TSA, okay? I'll give you – yeah, that's true too, but I'll give you about 10%. Don't worry. 10%. 10%, yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at this uh, lady, Veronica Freeman. Yeah. And all I got to say is <laughs> – Yeah, send me a link. Let's see what she looks like. Is, am, am my eyes going to hurt afterwards? Uh, you know <sighs> – is she, is she like popping out of She's these? a looker. No, she's a looker. She's she's a, she's a good looking lady. And she's, she's a real sweet she's a real sweetie and and she's a pretty amazing heavy metal singer. I mean she doesn't she's not a screamer, it's not like a death metal or thrash metal. She's like oh, but I like nice. screamers. I yeah, well yes you do, but in diff- never mind. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but did my mind go to the gutter again? I'm sorry. Again, yes, again, it, once it, again. It's my fault, yeah. My mind went to the gutter. Sorry folks. If you do wow, want to complain, what do or, do with you? if you do want to complain or just comment about my gutter mind, folks, you can call in, and Angel's going to give that phone number out again, which is 
786-245-8127. If you guys want to call in and ask uh, Terry here any questions, please do so. Open lines. Uh, Terry, tell us a little bit more about Devils 5. Uh, when did you start production on this on this one? Well, actually, it was a project that came to me by my friend Thaddeus Bird about two years ago. And, yes, uh, yes, good guy. Yeah, he was the first guy to ask me to be part of the project and uh, told me he had this idea of doing a found footage feature instead of one guy coming up with the money for the whole thing, that there'd be five stories, kind of like Creepshow or Twilight Zone, where five guys would come up with five different movies, all revolving around the same subject of the devil, most of them, or if not all of them, to be shot in a found footage way. Um, so I accepted it. Now, he here's wanted... I, I got to interrupt and ask a question for you. Um, do you think – do you agree or disagree with Variety and some of the other industry papers that are saying that the found footage – uh, type of methodology is almost played out at this point. Oh, I th- I think that it, that it is, and I think that it always happens like that. Whether it be hair metal of the '80s or whether it be slasher movies of the early. No, no, I'm 80s. saying found footage is. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I think it is, and one of the ways we combated that. And by the way, just so I don't forget to say this, we've got three days left to raise the money to shoot devils five it's on indiegogo.com if you type in devils five that's d-e-v-i-l apostrophe s f-i-v not the number but the word five and we've got three days uh, saturday at 3 p.m it ends and we're taking all that money to make devils five none of it's going to anyone's salary it's all going to the actual movie it's going to the hard prices that we have to fly veronica in ralph shepherds from primal fear from germany insurance, food, makeup effects, visual effects. So that's all the stuff. So if there's anyone else that wants to help us out there, we've only got basically three days to do it. So that's the real reason I'm here tonight. But to answer your question, yeah, I think it is played out. And one of the reasons why I took approach on both the movies I directed that are part of Devil's Five, Stash, and what we call Devil's Five, which is the wraparound that encapsulates the entire film, I felt that at this point you kind of have to veer off the straight found footage I think one thing's for sure, you can't do that shaky Blair Witch crap because nobody likes that anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, so when I did Stash last year, we shot actually some of it in Steadicam, so we'd have the floating look. We shot with a $60,000 red camera, so it doesn't look like some crappy video camera that some kid has at a film score off the street. It's a really high-quality image. We went for a really glossy look. Now, it's not a Hollywood movie. It still has a little roughness here and there, but we're going for something that looks really good. And the same thing with Devil's Five. Devil's Five, we're going for a really deliberate look. And the truth of it is, is besides the first scene, there's no reason for it to be shot found footage. So in my opinion, you have to make like a hybrid now where you have a little bit of it and you have a little bit of regular traditional movie making style. And that's what this is going to have. So after that first scene, in fact, none of it as far as Devil's Five, meaning the beginning in between movie one and two, two, three, three, four, and the very end, that all be shot traditional style. And you know what? That's actually a much better way of doing it anyway. That adds more, uh, I don't know, it adds a different element to the movie. It, like They did the same uh, type of thing with uh, one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies where they added just a little bit of found footage, and that added such a creepy element to the movie. I love that but yeah the Blair Witch that whole shaky cam the way they did it was just that's played out completely oh yeah and, and I think there's other things about the about the well what do you say about the security camera like uh, 
what is it? Um, Paranormal Activity. I, I loved it. I thought the first one and even the second one were really good. Obviously, the more they went, the the further they got away from the first ideas. But I loved it. I thought it seemed like it was real. You know, I, we all know it's a movie, but it just gave it that kind of reality based. I think that that's one of the things about this first scene in the movie, which we hope to have enough money to do the way I wrote it. Uh, with the money we've collected so far, we actually are in very real possibility that we're going to have to change it. Because I don't know if we're going to have enough money to what I wrote. I wrote a car chase at night with two cop cars and a black BMW. Guy gets out with a shotgun. There's a really explosive scene, violence-wise. And I don't know if we have the money to do it like that. So if we don't get enough money in the next three days, we have to. We might have to completely change it. Well, how much are you asking for an Indiegogo? How close are you to it? Well, originally we put 20000 I think that was maybe a mistake. Um because I think it scares people. People think that, oh, if I put $25 in or $50 in, it's not going to make a difference. Well, the truth of it, it, it will. I think we should have put 10 Right now, we got about 2100 If we could get close to about seven, if we get close to about five or 6000 I think we can do the movie the way I wrote it. I think if we get less than that, we're probably going to have to change it. And we might even come to the point where maybe we can't have Ralph in the movie. We might have to have, we may not be able to afford to fly him from Germany there and back. So if that happens, then we have to find someone locally. Now we lose that star quality guy who has marketability over the world. And then we just still have Veronica, but I'd like to do it both. We may not have the money for that. So we've got a plan a, a plan B, a plan C and a plan D. We may have to make it instead of being a, uh, a roadway police station hospital and a police station again, we may have to take one of those away. We may have to take three of those away. We might have to make it one location and completely change it. Eventually, so, you're gonna make you're gonna have to make a movie like Buried, who is just a guy in a box. Which we really don't want to do that. But the fact is, we really need support to do the movie the right way. So, you know, if there's anyone out there that wants to give us a hand, you can see there's all kinds of cool perks on Indiegogo. There's stuff you can get back. You can be a producer on the film if you give enough. We've actually had one guy, which was great, who actually took our biggest perk. He gave us $1,500, and he gets everything, including his own perk. If It has to be mutually agreed upon, but he's going to be in the movie. He's going to be able to be on the set, and he gets to create his own perk. He gets a, a handmade hook that's got the Devil's Five branded in it, He's going to be in the last scene in the movie. He gets to Skype with Veronica and Ralph. He gets to Skype with me. He gets, you know, he gets everything. Um, so we've now, actually had guy a, known to be a stalker in the past with any of the uh, cast members. Well, for no, fifteen hundred no, bucks, I, you know, we uh, yeah, I, we I think he's it. actually <laughs> a big, a, a good friend and a, a fan of Veronica in particular. So you might want to check beforehand that he's not a stalker and there's no <laughs> restraining order. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm just it's all good if they're only on Skype. If they're only on Skype, it's all but good. But he's going to be on the set as well, and well, it's yeah, but... a real horror movie or horror reality. Well, I, hopefully, well, it's not I'm a stalker. Cool yeah, Veronica oh. vouched for this guy. And said oh, okay. great. If, she or, if she already said, yeah, okay. That would be a cool plot line. You know, you make a, you're filming a horror movie, but horrors really happen in while you're filming the horror movie. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Terry, we, uh, we're out of time here. we got to go. we got a, a guest, uh, Scott Marlowe, uh, waiting for us in the next hour. Uh, give everybody the link again, uh, MontereyPictures.com, and what, what's the link to the Indiegogo so everybody can go there directly? 
Or I can yeah, just find it. Yeah, it's indiegogo.com, and in the upper search button on the right, just type in D-E-V-I-L-S, apostrophe S, excuse me, space F-I-V-E, Devils 5. You can watch our teaser trailer. There's interviews with all our cast, a lot of the crew, including myself. There's all kinds of cool perks. We've got three days left. We end at 3 o'clock on Saturday. You can go to com, Devils 5 on Facebook, uh, Wraparound DF at Twitter. That's our Twitter page. Stash the movie at Twitter, uh, Manta Ray 16 at Twitter. There's all kinds of stuff to find us. Very cool. Excellent. Thanks. Very cool. Thanks for being here, buddy. Love you. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. No Take worries. Care, Enjoy the day. Okay. Guys, Bye. that is the great Terry Wickham right there. And uh, please support the project, Devils 5. It looks like it's going to be a very, very cool film. It really does. And uh, I like supporting independent projects, Alan. I know you do also, my friend. Oh, I very much so. I, you know where I'm coming from on that, but, you know. Exactly. I, you know, there's stuff I can talk about on the radio. There's stuff I can't talk about on the radio. Indeed. Uh, we're going to go on break now. When we come back at, on the other side, we have Scott Marlowe on the show, and we're going to talk about cryptozoology, Bigfoot. Is he real? Is he mythical? Also, the Pangea Institute, which is a place he works at, and it's a really cool place. You should check out the website. Uh, we're going to talk to him for about an hour, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. And now, a little bit more of Ramon Goose with Who Do You Love? Skywatchers Radio, everybody. We'll be right back. I walk 47 miles by wire. I go to Cobra Snake for necktie. Brand new house along the roadside. And it's a man out of rattlesnake high. I got a brand new chimney, baby, put on top. And it's a man out of human skull. Come on, baby, take a walk with me, baby, and tell me who'd you love. Yeah, who'd you love? Around the town, I use a rattlesnake whip. Take it easy, baby, don't you give me no lip. Love. I got a tombstone hand in the graveyard line. I just went to and I don't mind dying. Who do love? it or not is already very much part of our reality i've been on panels with uh, military people who you know claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos they have very large eyes and you know i found their stare extremely difficult to bear this is martin willis the host of podcast ufo and we are here on the dark matter radio network every wednesday from 8 p.m to 10 p.m eastern standard time it is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? 
We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. We cover everything from the known to the unknown, the normal to the paranormal, archaeologists to psychologists, and even UFOs. We tell what's coming, what's going, the government lies to the government thrives. We're late night in the Midlands, and we cover everything every Sunday night at 12 a.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Between science and ignorance, there is filler. Thank you, random British guy. I am Wes Forsyth, the host of Paranormal Filler, my weekly radio show where I explore many areas of the paranormal while trying to keep a balance between believer and skeptic. No topic is off limits. No viewpoint is silenced. Paranormal Filler on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. cover everything from the known to the unknown the normal to the paranormal archaeologists to psychologists and even ufos we tell what's coming what's going the government lies to the government thrives we're late night in the midlands and we cover everything every sunday night at 12 a.m eastern 9 p.m pacific on the dark matter radio network
the like is... And we're back live on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. This is Skywatchers Radio, and now we are live for the rest of this hour with our main guest, Mr. Scott Marlowe. Speak for yourself, Angel. I'm not live. I'm dead. Well, <laughs> to me... You're Tonight, very much living, yeah, well, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the present dimension, yada yada. But you know, exactly. You're here, kind of, sort of, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. And I you're mean, here. You know, the latest scientific research. We're all a hologram, anyway, right? Exactly. You're you're here in the known space and time universe somehow, some way. We've got you connected, and you're with us live. Thank you for being on here with us. My pleasure, as always. I've been looking forward to it. Been looking forward to having you on the show, and uh, for the audience who might not be aware of what the uh, Pangea Institute is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that first, starting off? Uh, well, we're, Pangea is an educational service organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, you arrange know, classes and uh, you know, uh, guest speakers and uh, do all kinds of things like that there, and expeditions all over the world. We've got some top cryptozoologists and scientists who are Pangea fellows. Does that uh, mean you know Bobo? Uh, no, God, no, please don't. I wish I knew Bobo, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, we do television. We've been on tele- television, clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, uh, we aren't on the hoax shows, nor are we on the, quote, money-making shows. Uh, we provide expertise and uh, you know, real stuff, not faked. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we would... <laughs> We would probably burn before we would before we would even think about doing anything that wasn't wasn't real in terms of scientific research. So now I do I love the, the slogan for the company. We make learning an adventure. Yeah, that is really awesome. That's exactly uh, what we do. Now that's exactly what uh, science and and cryptozoology and all this stuff should be. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of hoaxers out there. And being somebody who studies cryptozoology and who teaches about it, how does that make you feel inside, knowing that so much of what is out there, what's been put out there, has been debunked and found to be well a hoax? Well, I mean, it doesn't really do the people who do serious work any good. Uh, yes, it raises awareness, which is about its only saving grace, but the awareness that it, range, it, it uh, uh, raises is uh, the idea in the public's mind that everything we do is nonsense, and you know that, that obviously does not help. Well, uh, the question agreed. is, is yep. what, what you do obviously lends to the legitimacy of the phenomenon, but my question then is, is that what is there a bigger ratio of, phonies or legits? Phonies, and oh. that's a sad reality, Alan. And, and well, I mean, look, first I... you've got you've got people out there that you know now that television has turned it into a joke. Uh, you know, yeah. a la the program that you were alluding to earlier that I won't even give the credibility of naming. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> in any event, uh, you've got people now that are are creating or trying to craft hoaxes for the exclusive purpose of attracting the television people. Uh, yeah. you know, to their neighborhood so that they can get their 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's... It, it's, it's like a, it's like a uh, what do you call it, a, a psycho, uh, psychotic uh, thing that's going but on in this country. Let's just this say that they're his fame. No, but it, it's like, it's like this, it, this is a, like a crazy, uh, I don't know, you can call it a mental disorder in this country where people just are like whoring for fame. 
You know, there, yeah, there's so much exactly. that everybody just wants to be famous for something, whether exactly. it's for ufology, cryptozoology, uh, for transitioning into a woman, whether whatever your your thing is, somebody people just want to ha- have fame, and like fame is so important. It re- is it really that important? No, it's not. No, it isn't. It isn't. Dude, it's a two-edged sword anyway. You know, well, we're the ones who are on the radio talking, so are we also looking for that fame? No, well, I'm actually looking for the truth. All right. Well, Good there answer. you go. The truth is out there. You know, you know, Correct. That's great. Uh, but the, 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 the problem is you've got to dig for it, and too many people are, are, are not into the digging. What they want to do is get a sound bite and have somebody else do all the work. Uh, that's very true, yep. Which is, which is fine up to a point, uh, but uh, you know, then, then at least go buy a book. Learn something. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, don't 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 expect that you're going to get it on the internet because what you're going to get on the internet is largely nonsense. Very true. Unless Especially you YouTube. know your source. Uh, but it, it, uh, spend a day on Facebook and look at the absolute absurdity of some of the stuff people post. Do we have to? No, no. Uh, Scott. Real, you know, let me let me ask you, Scott. Uh, what kind of research uh, do you guys do uh, when it comes to Bigfoot? I mean, how do you go about researching? And has anybody at the institute uh, come across a Bigfoot? Well, yeah, I have three times. Okay, uh, so you get in that you get in uh, that argument whether Bigfoot is real or not because you've seen Bigfoot. Well, well since you're no, since you're I in Florida, am I assuming because... that you did see it in Florida? Yes, I've seen it in Florida and twice in Texas. Okay. Uh, but you've got to understand a whole bunch of things. First of all, the classic Bigfoot Sasquatch creature, I don't think that that and the swamp ape, which is what I've seen, are the same species. I think they're two different kinds of Bigfoot. Uh, now, okay. there are others around the world, and one of our newest Pangea fellows, Adam Davies, has done a considerable amount of work in Sumatra on the Orang Pendic, which is another form of the creature. And, you know, Adam has done some really fine work. Uh, you know, Ken Gearhart has done uh, quite a bit of work. He's also a fellow uh, based in Texas. And, uh, you know, he's had his own experiences with the sesamite from Central America and, and all of that. So, I mean. Now, I, hang on one second. I've heard of the Orane Pendek as well as the Skunkhead. Now, what is a sesamite? It's a, a Central American version of a Bigfoot creature. Okay. Um. How far back in history do are there sightings for this thing? Well, they go back a long way. Uh, if you look at my book, Bigfoot and Art History, I've demonstrated that there are, although I grant you some of it's equivocal, but there are even cave paintings of these animals going back 50,000 years. Really? So it's not, absolutely not, just a modern myth. It, it, it's been around for a long time. The first. So my question. Hold on. So my so my my question though, uh, Scott, is why have why has not one been found and taken uh, to a place where it could be verified? For some reason, they just don't doesn't work out that way. Now there are many accounts where something like that has happened, like Zena in the Republic of Georgia, formerly Russia. Okay. Turn of the century, where it actually lived in the town. But that uh, it, it wasn't documented in a scientific way, so nobody knows for sure what's going on uh, and, and what went on back then. You know, we don't know if some of these accounts are true. But based on the artwork that I've discovered, I suspect a lot of these things are misidentification of a human being with a, a, a disease, if you want to call it that, or a condition known as hypertrichosis. 
which makes them excessively hairy. There's also evidence in the genetic makeup that all these clean-shaven looking like they just used the Gillette Atra uh, reconstructions of relic humans uh, or hominins uh, were not anything of the kind. They were hairy as hell. And therefore, you know, Dr. Melder might be correct. The, the, you know, these things might be some kind of evolutionary throwback that has managed to survive, meaning, of course, that the human species that we are, which is Homo sapiens sapiens, are not the only humans living on the planet. We just don't know. And now, we what do you th- for a fact that at one time there was more than one human species living on the planet at the same time. Right. At least that's what uh, science is uh, alluding to the last decade, anyway. Uh, do do we? I mean, what do you think when you hear people who talk about uh, Bigfoot and uh, throw him in the UFO field as uh, possible aliens? What is that, how does that uh, work out in your mind? <laughs> I honestly don't think that the Greys keep Bigfoot as a little pet. Well, he could be a big pet. Maybe it's kind of reversed for them. You know, we have small well, pets. If they're obviously, pets. if it's hairy, you can call him fluffy. If there, there is go. any connection whatsoever, if, and that's a huge if, because if you go down to Pumapunku or you go down to, to uh, uh, Tiwanaku and you, you know, go through the hall there where it has all of the faces, you don't see a Bigfoot face in the wall. You see okay. a gray. You see every other human species or human type right. around the world on the wall. Well, how far back of, uh, <laughs> let me ask you, how far back of an imagery of the human species do you see going back in Tiwanaku? Quite a bit. I mean, does it show Neanderthal? The, 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 the Anunnaki might, you know, might be represented there by the statue in the center. You know what I'm talking about. Right, yeah, as a matter of fact, okay. I do. So I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm sure that, that ancient peoples were much better traveled and had more uh, technology than we give them credit for. Oh, yeah, yeah, I completely whether agree with it, that. Whether it's space alien or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they had any impact. That that I just don't know. Uh, but when you see Pumapunku, it's awfully hard to say they weren't advanced or right. what that what was here was not advanced. Well, weren't advanced-ish because, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff at Pumapunku uh, could have been done with, yeah, modern tools, but not space-age tools like laser cutters and stuff like that. Like, you could have done it with chisels and, diff- and different no, forms of sand No, I don't think that that's entirely possible. I mean, No, no, it's, this has already been... Uh, Actually, you should really look at uh, some of the work of Mike, Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh, there's actually documented uh, evidence proving that this is the way they did it. The people in the area actually uh, know how it was done in Pumapunku. In fact, uh, it, that place was raided, uh, and a lot of the stones at Pumapunku ended up being uh, used for the building construction of uh, infrastructures in the area locally. Uh, so what you have there is just like the remnants of what was once there. And a lot of that stuff, look, here's the thing, uh, it's got, and, and this is something that really upset me about mankind and about the UFO field and every other uh, paranormal group out there. They don't give any credit to human beings. Human beings are very smart. Human beings are also very dumb. Human beings are very clever and human beings are also very ignorant. But in all that, human beings do have that clever side. We do create things. And for millennia now, we've proven that we can create new things on our own without any outside intervention. And guess what? If this world's been around for four point whatever billion years it's been around, supposedly 
I have a very strong feeling that we've gone through evolution several times, and this is not the first time that technology is the way it is, and it's evolved the way it has on this planet. I'm, I'm pretty sure that two billion years ago, somebody was on some form of radio talking to some other folks, having a very similar conversation to this one. Why? Because technology probably did exist a long time ago within this planet with humans that lived a long time ago. Hell, we're oh, finding out... There. We, we're finding out. I, I agree with that. Yeah, we, uh, we're finding out now that mankind is a lot older than a few thousand years, folks. So, so forget about what the Bible says about mankind being only a couple thousand years old. No, 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 no. We're much, much older. Egyptians are five thousand years ago, and that's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket in the time of this planet. A yeah. drop in the bucket. And evolution have, could have come and gone many times. And guess what? As Doctor Michio Kaku says, uh, we're right now a, what a type zero civilization. Right, we're on the cuffs, but becoming a type one. But we're also on, on the edge of maybe blowing ourselves into smithereens with our wars and our and our evil tactics. And well, and, and who's you know to putting say, out there? So who's not who's, to say it hasn't happened before many times? Exactly, exactly. So. And, and in fact, the Atlantis legend, uh, you know, even uh, the Bible, if you go back to the pre-deluge uh, right. stuff, I mean, they all basically have the same theme. There's been some major. Uh, upheaval, major catastrophe, whether that would take the form of a celestial event or whether technology did us in uh, because we misused it is, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, but so, you know, the, the, if there were any kind of extraterrestrial involvement uh, in uh, evolution, I would, would say that Bigfoot probably is what humans were before they started messing with the genome. It's a possible. That's a possibility. Yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, but they but could that be. The, they could be that. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a pet. Uh, Scott, uh, no, I. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Uh, Scott, here's the thing, though. Uh, Bigfoot could easily be the missing link between Homo. Oh Electors, God! Don't use that word. Homo sapien and. Don't use that word. There is no such thing as a missing link. You never know. No, no, it could no. Be. I do know. I've studied anthropology. You never when know. When you say link, it assumes that evolution is linear. It is not. It's multidimensional. It's like well, it's see, a missing link in a chain. It's there's no yeah, such thing. But there's there no proof parallel, to multidimensional yet. There were parallel <laughs> evolutions of several different types of humans, not necessarily having the same origins. But how can okay. you call them human if they have different origins? Because of and the features and the way that they're classified. Scott, the Scott, Scott, hold on. But where's the proof to any of that? There's one I can point you to. Try looking at Mungo Man and the genome for it. Okay, this so doesn't prove any of it, that. Yeah, well, it proves that it's not out of Africa. <laughs> okay. All right, so it's not out of Africa. And now there's another that, uh, that, that they're, they're claiming in Siberia that apparently has the same basis, that it's not okay, but... necessarily out of Africa. Okay, but we're talking about beings that lived on this planet, right, on, yes. on this very Earth. How is that multidimensional? Because there is more than one lineage. It okay, is but that's, okay, okay no, 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 no. I think, I think Angel got you wrong there. He means, Angel, not multidimensional, but multifaceted. Not okay, that's a different Right, okay, that's different. When okay, I talk so, about something that's, limit, that's linear, linear is in one direction. Well, yeah, but essentially we we're talking about... Like we're, a, like we, yeah, human, yeah, but look, human Scott, species we're, we're, branched off from a, from a common ancestor many, many millions of years ago. And they went in different directions. Not all of them resulted in Homo sapiens sapiens. Oh, no, I, I agree with that. But somewhere along the way, there could but have been some kind of link. that's why there is no such thing as a link. 
Eh, I don't know. I, just, eh, I don't buy There it. might be some element of a particular group that is yet to be identified, but it is not a link in a chain. There might be some stray DNA. Which links it together as a link. Mm-hmm. That that it has in common. You could yell at him about this. I'm not, he's. I understand where you're coming from. He's just not getting it. Now, what what upsets well, you more? Some, well, somebody believes about the missing link or UFOs, Scott. What's that? What what what? Seriously, like uh, what upsets you more when somebody uh, says something about the missing link, uh, possibly being a, a Bigfoot, possibly being the missing link, or when they mention him as being an alien? <laughs> what gets to you more? <laughs> I guess I that's the <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hey, I'm having the intelligent conversation here with you. you yes, know. you are. I, okay, I, so I don't necessarily buy any either argument. I, first of all, I don't like blaming aliens for everything we can't explain. That's I agree with that. Rubbish. Well, I yes. don't know. Do you have the hair to match the? It must be aliens. Uh, do you have the hair? hair? I've got Bigfoot hair that they can't identify. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you have something that has had a DNA sequence, an RNA sequence? And I've, had, I've had hair samples that they cannot identify. Really? Now, where yes. did you find this? It, on one of my expeditions with my students right. uh, in the Green Swamp, and it was sent by Discovery Channel, coincidentally, to Michael Hughes at USC. And Mike could not identify it. The only thing he could say for sure was that it was not a bear, it was larger than a dog, and it was not from any known North American animal. Now, how come we never heard about this on the TV? You did, but everybody was more fascinated by Dave Sheely not passing a lie detector test. Okay, well, that could be a problem. Exactly. I don't remember hearing about it on the news, but... Uh... Well, <laughs> I can't help, you know, excuse me, guys, but I can't help what the media jumps on. That's the problem, though, Scott. It's not, you know, the media suppresses this kind of information. Exactly. And then you that's ask the main issue. we don't have any proof. Yeah. You know, well, the, and the media is not the only place that suppresses it. I've wouldn't, dealt, wouldn't, I've wouldn't dealt any, with certain museums that have prevented me from getting at DNA samples of something I suspect has a relationship and then deny vehemently that they have, have the material that I know they have because I can even give them the bin box. Are you serious? Yes. And okay. what kind of relation are we talking about here? Like, uh, I'm not history? sure that they are not in some way related to the Bigfoot phenomenon. And I'm referring to the red-haired giants a la Lovelock Cave. Right. All right. So, I mean, I have found specimens now three times, and three times I've had them yanked away from me by name museum outfits and the government because I wanted to retrieve a tooth to have the DNA done on them. And they just shut you straight down. Absolutely. Now, well, I isn't there isn't are, there procedures? You got there are two more specimens. I'm not telling nobody till I raise <laughs> the money to do it and I go do it. What I'm doing, where it is, and what I'm what, what's going on. I won't tell even the people who are I hope are funding this. Scott, though, isn't there a procedure you you got to go through to get permission to do some kind of study like that? I mean, isn't there channels you can go through? There are legal channels they can't stop. Yeah, good luck. Do you really well, have to jump go. through that many hoops? Yeah, you, probably. Yeah, you got hoops, and they get progressively smaller until you're trying to fit your way through a key ring. They got hoops within the hoops. Yeah, yes. it's not easy. They make it absolutely impossible, knowing full well that they're going to run you out of money or run you out of time. 
Well, so that what, would run out of time. Plan. And that, of course, is the plan. Scott, here's a question. Um, yep. You've seen you've, you've been in front of a Bigfoot on multiple occasions. You've seen them uh, mm-hmm. from either far away. I, we haven't talked the distance you were with them, you know, that you were away from them. But uh, you've been at sites where Bigfoot has been present. Uh, and a lot of people have been at sites where Bigfoot has been present. Uh, okay, forget about somebody running up to one and putting a gun in tent and shooting it. How about just shooting some footage that is authentic? How come that hasn't come out yet? I mean, the Internet is a big because place. when it happens, it's so unexpected. By the time you get a camera, even a digital one, and you, you, you start it up and it gets charged up and you, go, you, you, know, you pull it up to take a picture, it, it's too late. The thing's gone already. Yeah, but with GoPro cameras nowadays, you'd figure somebody just has something ready, ready to go, you know, immediately. Not yeah, even that. What about, what about all the oh, please don't, please don't go there. It's not that simple. <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely not that simple. And beyond that, okay, it, I go bananas with these blurry photographs. I mean, motion blur is one thing, but these photographs that are deliberately blurred to hide the fact that it's a phony drives me up a damn wall. Yeah, like the Roswell slides. Camera out there that doesn't have a viable. uh, Sorry, I'm getting loud. A viable (laughs) autofocus. Okay, but let me ask you. Trail cams that everybody. Yeah, yeah. What about yeah? What about all the trail cams that are that are out there that nobody's caught anything on the trail cams? They have the back of somebody's head, a bear that has mange. I'm just wondering. Here's an interesting question. Do you think the Bigfoot can see? Into the infrared spectrum, so they actually yes. see the lights of the trail cam. Yes. What makes you think that? Because some of the things that I've had experience with in the field, particularly with Chester Moore and Chris Stevens in Texas, indicates to me that they can see the active infrared. Not the passive, but the active. Hmm. Which means okay. throwing infrared light out. Now, it makes sense that they would be able to see in the dark because most of their activity is nocturnal. Right. So now, if you saw tell me that can't happen, it couldn't happen, bullshit. I can tell you for a fact. Uh, Scott, 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 we can't curse on the show, so please. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Bullcrap. Uh, bottom line is, look at the Chinese kid with blue eyes that can see in the dark and read perfectly. If it can okay. happen to a human, I... it can happen to a Bigfoot. I don't know about this kid, but that sounds interesting to say the least. I actually, I have heard about the uh, Chinese kid with the blue eyes who can read in the dark. I, I've seen the video on that. It's very interesting stuff, but y- you don't. Yeah, yeah it but could, hang on, hang on. It How could do happen you make to a video a, if it's in the dark. Well, no, they show him in. No, man, they show him with the lights on, dude. Oh, okay. I didn't know. You I'm can right. see his eyes are blue, and he's Chinese. That doesn't come, you know, easily. Blue, you know. But he can read perfectly well in the dark, which means that he's seeing infrared. That's amazing. What more can I say about that? Well, really, look, animals uh, have different vision than us. I mean, cats well, see in different spectrums of light. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's not that far-fetched that a human or some other humanoid creature could be born uh, with that kind of eyesight. It's not far-fetched well, that's at all. That's how evolution works. You right. know, it, it, if you need something, it, you know, evolution favors what it is you need. Now, and the question is, you know, that's the question is, though, that Chinese kid, why would humans need that kind of eyesight? And is that a next step in our evolution, and he's just like it, the first? It could potentially be. I don't know. You know, it, it, you know, mutation happens randomly, but if the mutation works for some reason... It's persistent. It, it, it becomes persistent. 
Yeah, but my question is, is that it only it's persistent in that lineage. It doesn't right. pop out somewhere else. It can and and sometimes does. Other times it doesn't. You know, it's, yeah, but here, it's, it's, it depends on the specific genetics and how right. you know, whether it's dominant and recessive and getting into all that Mendelish stuff. Uh, I, I, I think this kid lived way too close to Fukushima, and uh, that's why he glows. <laughs> that's why he can read in the dark and he glows in the dark while he's at it too. Well, here, here, here's another cryptid. Let me let me bring up the so-called black Florida panther, which I've also seen twice. Okay. Okay. And, you know, according to every biologist on the planet. Puma concolor cannot exist as a black melanistic species. I don't agree with them. Why? Because, number one, I've seen it. Number two, so have many other people, including state officials who don't want to admit it, that have admitted it to me but won't admit it in public. All right? But there's a reason for it. Have you ever seen a Florida panther or a puma that is newborn? No, can't say that mm, I have. Can't say it, no. They have black and gold spots. Which is I'll camouflage. take your word for it. Okay. Camouflage spot. So the black is there. It just doesn't turn on normally. Interesting. So when you okay. are down in the grassland savanna of Florida, i.e. the Everglades, and you need that golden coloration as camouflage, the golden color of the panther works beautifully. But because of habitat encroachment, they're now moving upstate. Many people say, uh-uh, no, they're not, but they are. I've seen them. I've seen them on the border between Alabama and Florida. I've seen them up in the panhandle. I know they're there. Now, if you look at the swamps up there, you have cypress swamps. Cypress swamps are dark at the base of the trees. They're not golden. They're not grassy. They're not bright colored. What's going to stand out, the gold or the black? The black's obviously better camouflage. Right. So right. The gold stones at some out. point, the, 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 these animals are evolving the dark coloration because it's better camouflage for them. I think they're just going to get into their predator costume and just you know, <laughs> sneak up on us and we're dead. Well, yeah, but you know, they're, they're visible. They're very easy to see when they're golden against a dark background. Well, you would think, unless you know they they understand the concept of staying in the shadows. I'm sure they do, but nevertheless, they're still going to stand out more with a brighter coloration. All right, I'll give you that. So, Makes how sense. often do you go on these excursions, uh, going hunting for all these cryptids? Well, we were just on one about uh, two, three weeks ago. We, you know, we were uh, an animal that was. Reported as a sea monster, a la, I don't know if you ever saw the Monster Quest episode I, I did for, uh, for them on History Channel with the, the, the Lake Worth sea monster. We had a similar one reported on the Chaklasuchi or whatever it is river. I can't even begin to get into some of those Indian pronunciations. Now, 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 Alan, you're going to get us in trouble. Up on the river. So uh, my son and I went up there, you know, trying to do some research on it twice. And I've, you know, concluded, as was pretty much the case uh, in in, uh, Fort Lauderdale or Palm Beach, uh, only there, you know, we knew it was a seal. This particular instance, it's like the Normandy Nessie in Tampa, and uh, it's just a manatee and a calf. uh, Manatee calf. So, I mean, that that was all that I think it turned out to be. But that's this is the stuff I like to do. I I want to solve the problem. I don't want to find a monster. 
Well, know, can't you do there, well? That's all well and good, but that's not the point. The point right. is I want to explain what people are seeing truthfully. Right, 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 right. And if it turns out to be a monster, hey, that's the icing on the cake. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I hear you. You know, all these other people that are out there, the weekend warriors, they want to have an excuse to go out there and get drunk. So you know, naturally, they want to go out and you know find a monster so that they can pl- you know put on their He-Man uh, act and uh, you know did they do the testosterone yell. Uh, but that's not what like, I'm. Woo, I caught me one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, well, oh gee, give me my give me my Nobel Prize now, please. You know, if that's what you're in this field for, you're in the wrong field. Get out. They want their five megabytes of fame. Whatever. I still, I still say though that to get this field, you know, to get a little bit more respect in the main, in the mainstream, it's going to take a body or it's going to take uh, some kind of uh, hardcore evidence where it cannot be denied or made fun of. Well, That's even if that... you get a body, somebody's going to deny it. They're going to claim it's been engineered. I mean, well, come on. Not, well, eh, maybe, not, maybe not. On a face. Look, look at the Hobbit. They're still, they're still arguing over whether it's some sort of human. Oh, okay. So you meant the movie. I was like, that's a terrible film. You know, I mean, it, it, they're always going to argue if it doesn't fit. You know, and, and with, the, with museums and people who have spent in power, who have spent a lifetime building a career on bad information, they don't want to see it go down the tubes. So it, it, it takes science a long time to accept reality sometimes. So, in other words, we're never going to find out if Bigfoot is 100% real unless we actually go in the woods ourselves and Well, let me ask you a question. If they do prove that Bigfoot exists, it is, by nature, a reclusive, uh, very rare animal. Right, right. Right. If it's entitled to the same protections we give other animals who are rare and endangered, how many developers are going to be in favor, especially rich Republican developers, are going to be in favor of uh, setting aside vast tracts of land for the benefit of the animal. Ooh, that's a really good justifiable cause why they don't want to admit it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. That, they yeah. turned out to be relic hominins, and they're human, and they were here before we were. And now you've got, uh, you know, everything is based on who owns the land. Suppose, there's a, suppose something comes up now that you uh, question the claims. Right. Well, the same way that monkey that they've had gorillas and monkeys be able to sign language and have free thought. What happens if this you know this hominid can be taught that, and does it have rights or not? Well, I suspect it it would probably have some vocalization ability. As I said, my even my cat tries to articulate. It understands. Yeah. No, and here's the thing: if they stayed, uh, you know, out of sight for this long, and they've evaded being seen, uh, for the most part, uh, they have to be some form of intelligence there. I mean, there has to be intelligence for these Absolutely. creatures. Absolutely, yeah, it's so just that their their intelligent technology is based on their senses right. more so than ours, which is based on technology. We depend on technology to do what they do naturally. Okay, now here's an interesting question: Do you think they have more than more than our five senses? Well, yes, in the sense of the ordinary cardinal senses, they're far more sensitive to them. Uh, you know, I mentioned pheromones. You know, we can we can detect pheromones. We are in fact uh, motivated by them, but we don't realize that we are. Well, that's we our little subconscious recognized. For example. 
I know that when you get that feeling you're being watched, that you can get. Yeah. That right, right. comes from your hypothalamus sensing through the pheromones that there's an animal there, knowing it's there. But your conscious cardinal sense is telling you there isn't. So you get that paranoid uh, something is watching me feeling. Huh. Okay. All right, I'll well, move you there. You know, yeah. uh, with an animal, they know something's there. They have right. no doubt of it. Hmm. Very interesting. I must be broken because Those I don't feel my dog wings coming there. The I mean, electroreception in a shark. You, that, that shark can be completely out of your visual range. <laughs> that shark knows you're there. Well, yeah, it's a predator. Well, it could okay. smell blood, what, how many, how many half Miles a mile away? Drop the blood yeah. in a couple million gallons of water. Exactly. It's amazing. Wow. So, I mean, you know, animals have sensory apparatus that we may have had at one time may still have, but we just don't use it. And because it's fallen out of use, we're not as adept in at tuned it. With it. Yeah, we're not in tune with our own natural skills. Interesting. Which makes sense. Makes no, sense. It does. Yeah, no, the way, look, when technology evolves and the more technological we get, the less and less of our own natural technology, which our own built-in technology we're going to need. We tuned ourselves out to nature. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, another example of, of, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, you know, certain knowledge gets lost. I'm absolutely certain I know how the Egyptians and ancient peoples moved uh, these gigantic blocks of stone. Leverage. No. The oh. force. They use nope. the yes. force. No. I would. Acoustical. Well, it, it, acoustical. Uh, resonance. Ah, uh, you're talking uh, about the horns. Well, horns or whatever. I mean, you know, you put something on it that that resonates, a la what Tesla did with that building that's a famous legend where he damn near bought the building down. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply by vibrating the correct frequency. I don't know if that'll work with really large stones, though, to build a pyramid. Yes, to... I'm sure it does, because I believe that's exactly what the gentleman that built Coral Castle down in Miami did to move those gigantic blocks of stone there. Actually, they had a whole no. they had a whole thing on that on the news leverage. a while back uh, with him using cantilevers and leverage and pulleys. Yeah, it was, so, it was leverage. Yeah. I live right near the Coral Castle. Which, which if you make the stone lighter by using resonance, you can do. Yeah, it. he didn't. He didn't make it lighter by using resonance. Uh, no, no. He, he he used cantilever systems and a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Of, they actually, they yeah, actually, why did he have all the electronics in his workshop that uh, that leads to a resonance or a resonator? Um, I didn't happen to see and that part. And what's the little black box that he kept putting on top of everything? I don't have a clue because I wasn't there, but, you no. know. So, I mean, I, I know that he used electricity. I know that he used some kind of an electrical device. Hmm. Well, maybe to light the uh, scenery while he was working with his leverage. Well, that, that doesn't explain the black box. <laughs> it doesn't explain the rheostat that's in his lab. Hmm. Well, might not, but I, I do know the lore it has to do with leverage and... Like Alan okay. said here. Well, that, that, and that's fine. You know, but uh, you know, then look at the Egyptians. You're going to tell me that the Dendera light wasn't a gas discharge tube? You're going to tell uh, me that they didn't know what electricity was when the Baghdad have, battery? Have you heard? Of, hold on. Oh, have I'm, you heard? Sure, of, I'm sure they had. I'm sure they knew. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Of course. Now, here's the thing. Have you heard of the inner ramp uh, working theory now for the uh, way the pyramids were built? Yes, I've heard about it. 
I mean, that actually makes perfect sense, and there's evidence within the pyramids themselves that this is how they did it, uh, within the entrances and the way the the ramps go up. Uh, you can even see the scuff marks on the side where the ramps will be placed together. Uh, I mean, that is a very legit way of doing uh, the pyramids, and a very uh, easy way when you think about the complexity of building a pyramid. That's actually a very simplistic way of doing it, and it works. Uh, at least in theory, it works perfectly. Uh, and that's fine. But did that happen at Pumba Punku with the H-blocks? We we never know. Yeah, never I don't, know how they I, I don't there. have an answer. Let me ask you, when you did go to Puma Punku, what hotel do you stay out there? Or do you can't... I did the Puma Punku Inn. No, I didn't I didn't <laughs> stay at a hotel. No. So you camped out sleeping. or what? No, I was with a family. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Is that like normal in Puma Punku? Like people stay with families in the local Sometimes. area? Or? Sometimes. You know, I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm hoping that maybe this year, possibly next, before uh, I get to the point that I can't handle the altitude. Um, uh, before Nibiru want, shows up, uh, I want to yeah. take my I want to take my my son down there because you know, Robert would love love to see that. Have uh, you talked to the folks out there in Pumapunku about the uh, the coverage that their uh, area is getting since the ancient aliens folks did uh, their piece on there? Oh well, I mean, you know, every time it's something's on TV, the tourism goes up, so that's that's cool. But uh, see, you, you would figure they would live up to that and say, "Yeah, the aliens did it. Yeah, come see our our land." A lot of people aren't as in see our stones. getting their getting their ten minutes of fame or fifteen minutes of fame as we are here. That's that's it, unfortunately an American phenomenon, and it is. And yeah. It you know just like I said, it is a, how, it's a psycho. It's, a, it's just something how crazy is happening in this country. Uh, yeah. Narcissistic and histrionic Americans can be. Oh, I wonder if I can Airbnb Puma Punku. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. You think you think they'll have anything on Airbnb? I don't know. Maybe. I, I wouldn't mind making a trip down to Pumapunku. That would be a fun thing to do. That'd be a great area to uh, to go down and. and There's lots of things down there. And that's it, yeah. just that's not that's not the only thing to see. I mean, some of the museums in La Paz are phenomenal. Now the question yeah. is: Is wh- does anybody have an organized tour going there or doing that oh, sure. on a regular basis? Sure. That are in our realm and community. Uh, I believe so. I think uh, what is it? Eco Tours. Not to give anybody a plug, but there's a, there's a couple of outfits that do uh, uh, educational tours uh, that uh, take groups down there uh, and have guides who have been there dozens of times and you know, know their stuff. I mean, you know, when uh, when I took Robert down to uh, you know we roughed it when I took Robert down to to Cozumel to see uh, uh, some of the Mayan ruins and things that uh, we were working with the Center for Mayan Studies in Miami. Uh, and uh, had a had a wonderful time uh, well, you know, where, where we could do things because we were with that group that we wouldn't ordinarily get to do. Uh, people wouldn't ordinarily get to do. Uh, but uh, and, and I was fascinated when they showed me the burial stones that uh, were coming up out of the ground from the excavation they were doing, and immediately recognized that some of the glyphs on the stones were not Mayan; they were Mende. Wow! No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Now, well, here's an interesting question. West African as, traders, for those that don't know who the Mende were. Right, right. Now, now, here's something interesting. As Cuba opens up and becomes more accessible, um, do you think we're going to see any trips down there, and do you think we'll find anything down there? Yes, that's we're going to see them, and actually, that's another trip I want to take very soon because Me too. theoretically, we're going to have a ferry that runs between Tampa and uh, and Havana shortly. Yes, yeah, that is uh, coming up. Uh, they've been talking about that in the news, actually, recently. Here in yeah, Miami. I think there's going to be a ferry out of Key West and one out of Miami as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know, I'm in Miami and I'm Cuban. Yeah. 
Guess where I'm going to be. I mean, going. I'm dying. I, you know, I, I would love to see Cuba. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think yeah, but let any, me ask uh, you. What do you think? What do you think is there for our realm of cryptozoology and ufology? That's where I was going to ask. That's, Thank you for that's it. something I don't know, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> why I'm curious. I really would like to to meet a couple of my Cuban counterparts. Now and I'll tell you this much: uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, UFO activity up in obvious. Cuba. Right, and there's a lot of UFO activity in Cuba also. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah. Well, theoretically, I mean, right off the coast there, you you know that if, if there is that conduit between uh, um, Gulf Breeze and uh, the the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, it, it exits right down in that neck, neck of the woods. So that would be right. Scott. What do you make of uh, the supposed pyramids and structures and stuff they found under uh, near Cuba under underwater? Yeah, I know on the south side. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know what to think yet. I, I'm sure they exist. I know that uh, pyramidal structures seem to be the norm around the world and have been for quite some time. But then again, that is also the most stable architectural structure that uh, ancient people could build with stone. Yeah, yeah, and it's proven the test of time. Look at that, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too, I'm not terribly impressed with the, uh, you know, everybody copies the Orion and the Orion. Uh, 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 constellation with the, the layout of architectural features. Why does well, everybody I mean, do it? What do they know that we don't? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they know anything else. What's the most prominent constellation in the sky? In the northern hemisphere. In the northern hemisphere. Right, but we find the pyramids in the lower part. I gotta but not necessarily laid out in accordance with, with Orion. <laughs> well, isn't the, the Great Pyramid uh, of uh, Giza pointing true north? Uh, it, it's oriented that way, yes. Yeah, it's so. oriented to the cardinal port points. It's also at the uh, absolute center of the landmass. Correct. Which well, just the fact that they were able to get that done like that—that's yeah. an, that's an well, incredible Well, but I honestly think there's tons of things under the Mediterranean that we don't know about. For example, mm-hmm. when the sea level was considerably lower, remember that the Pillars of Hercules, i.e., the Straits of Gibraltar, would right. have been a natural barrier to the sea, meaning the Atlantic, as the Isthmus, the Bosporus, would have been also to the Black Sea. Right. And also the Gulf of Aqaba, I believe. Not Aqaba, uh, the Gulf of of Arabia. Uh, And uh, so as the water level rose, eventually it would breach that and then fill it up. So the Mediterranean at one time may have been nothing more than a bloody large lake. Hmm. Possible, yeah, it's very possible. So there, there could be one reason for a flood legend, i.e., Atlantis. Right. All right, and then the flood legend, uh, you know, go over in the Black Sea could also have been a similar situation, and they may have happened very close together. So Which explains it multiple flood legends. Yeah. To be a universal flood. The right. same thing. I mean, I think they're saying now that that uh, Eden was actually, you know, where it was supposed to be at the mouth of the Tigris and Euphrates and several other rivers that are now underwater because that same kind of a breach happened at uh, the Gulf of Arabia. That's interesting. The, the old legends, the biblical stories and what have you, and reducing them down to their smallest, simplest form, because I think that's where the kernel of truth is. Now, do you, speaking of uh, biblical legend, uh, what are your thoughts on the Nephilim in the Bible? Well, I, you know, the, the sons of God and daughters of man bother me. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't believe as well as should, it has yeah. anything to do with with 
you know, uh, extraterrestrials. I don't think they had anything to do with being fallen angels. I think the so word were Nephilim simply meant giant. And in the, okay. in the later Bible, that's all it did mean. Only in Genesis did they give it, you know, give it any further credibility. Angelic, right. Uh, well, but what do you think these giants were? Do you think they were just giant human beings, a different offshoot of the human race? Well, here they comes were, my tie-in big... with Bigfoot. And they the reason big... I'm interested in the red-haired giants. Gotcha. Okay. The, the, the point is that they apparently existed through modern times, even mm. though they were supposed to have been killed off in the, in the pre-Deluge world. Gotcha. So, but is it so strange that there would be a megafauna version of humans when mm. there were megafauna versions of pachyderms, megafauna versions of ursids, megafauna versions of deer and elk, Megafauna version of, you know, shall I go down the line? The, the rhinoceros and, and many of the other animals that existed, uh, you know, in the distant past. I don't right, think so. right. we already know that there was Megathrips, which was a right, variety right. of human, and it was a giant, or a very large one. But we don't know, and we seem to be being prevented from finding out if the red-haired giants were a remnant of the Megathrips population. Scott, question. Uh, now, I've seen videos on YouTube, and YouTube is not the greatest source for credibility, but I've seen a few videos of bones that are found from supposed giants. Uh, some of it has been debunked or later, you know, said mm -hmm. they, were, they were hoaxed. Uh, has, has, how many bones have actually been found, do you know, of, of actual giants? Do you know of any uh, I I uh, know number? that it has been found regularly. I know okay. that there are at least 300 instances of such finds here in the United States. Some right here in Florida. No kidding. Oh yes, but no, when we say giants, how, how big are we talking about? And nobody will admit they've got them. Now, I've tried we're, the Smithsonian. Where in Florida are we talking about they found? Categorically, Scott, where in Florida were they found? Do you know? Along the Kissimmee River. On the Kissimmee River, and when they were doing the Kissimmee down? River you know, drainage project years ago in the forties. Okay. And couldn't this be tracked down somehow? I mean, if they found well, something... Well, try. Go ahead. Give it a shot. I have. And how did you find out that they found these bones? I mean, you weren't well, around back then. Originally, obviously. I found out by reading the work of my friend Charlie Carlson. And okay. then I went back and did a little bit more research and found that there were giant Indian tribes reported living here by Columbus and others. Oh, no kidding. Uh, okay. So, you know, obviously it makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, they, they, there are many, 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 many burial mounds around the country that uh, that work, especially the serpent mounds, uh, as being giant constructions. Uh, so, you know, then then take a look and talk to my my good buddy Rick Osmond, who I know you know well. Yeah, I know Rick. And and read uh, Rick's book. Uh, Was it the Caves of the Golden Bear? Correct. Speaking of caves, do you know anything about these caves that are supposed to be? Uh, in the Grand Canyon that have Egyptian hieroglyphs and there are tombs. Heard of them. Know anything else about them besides heard of them? Uh, other than I think it's a hoax, no. Really? Well, all right. Because, you know, according to the government themselves, there are certain parts of the Grand Canyon we are not allowed to traverse to because of, um, you know, national security. Okay, but let me ask you this. Why would the Egyptians who very rarely did anything uh, 
completely secret they wanted to be seen, decide that they wanted to inhabit something so far down the canyon. I'm just wondering if maybe they ended up coming here for mining gold or something. And uh, that's very probable based on what Rick has said. Uh, they were here mining copper in the uh, upper Great Lakes region. And we know that they were on the western coast of Australia. That That's I don't know. proven unequivocally now. Mm -hmm. So were they better traveled? Hell yeah. Or heck yeah. Heck, no, you can say hell. Hell is, is an acceptable That's word. That's fine. Acceptable well, it's a word. place. <laughs> okay. So they say. Uh, by the way, uh, for those who don't know, Rick Osmond was actually a host on this very show years ago. Oh, really? Huh. On Skywatcher's Radio. Yeah, he's one uh, of the original well, Rick and I toured the country together, and it was one of the best times I've ever had uh, doing book signings all over the place. And you know, Rick is a fascinating guy. And, sure uh, his, is. His book, uh, you know, Games of the Cold and Bear, is an excellent book. I re highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it delves into a lot of this uh, you know, pre-Columbian exploration uh, right. And and uh, he did a very good job of researching it. So you know, I would definitely put that on your reading list. Which uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, material out there to get to when you want to read about that subject. Uh, yeah, his book is very very well uh, put together. Uh, Scott, we're almost out of time here. I want you to Go. give all the links out for everybody who's listening, uh, so they can uh, you know continue uh, following your work. Uh, and uh, give you a minute to go ahead and do that. Plug away. Yeah, well, Pangea Institute is easy. www.pangea, P-A-N-G-E-A, Institute, spelled out, run together, dot U-S. Uh, that takes you to the Pangea website. Uh, then for the summer camps that I'm doing with uh, Hillsborough Community College, uh, that is www.tampatraining.com, and you can look up the camps there. Uh, on their uh, their uh, website for their continuing education department. Uh, gosh, what else? Uh, uh, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, my books are all on uh, on Amazon. Yep. Uh, and Barnes and Noble. How many books? Uh, how many books in total have you written now? By the oh, way. Oh God, I think I got twelve out there now. Man, that's more uh, books than I've read. That's crazy. yeah. Three of them are are <laughs> Bigfoot related. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, well, one of them is uh, is Cryptid Creatures of Florida, which now is it's in its second edition and has 23 different cryptids you'll find here in Florida. Uh, so, uh, and, and <laughs> a little bit off the, off the mark, but definitely within the realm of what my family does. Uh, I wrote a book on the origins of golf, which takes golf all the way back to the Egyptians, as opposed to just the Romans, which the United States Golf Association insists is where golf started. It didn't. That you know, the ball that they referred to, or the game they referred to as Paganica, was not uh, a game. It was the name of a medicine ball. Uh, so they they were wrong. Uh, of course, they don't want to admit it. But uh, in any case, uh, a bit of a fascinating uh, piece there, uh, as I got a chance to put some other you know research to get to use. Hold but, on, did you say golf? Golf, G O L F. My nep my nephew really? is Peter Uline. Uh, who uh, was the first American to be named uh, the uh, uh, Rookie of the Year by the European Golf Association. European. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so uh, you know, Peter Peter plays in the European Tour all the time. So, uh, cool. yeah, my family's been in golf since time immemorial. <laughs> so no matter what time uh, of year it is, no matter what year it is, no matter what century it is, the people in power have been playing golf for centuries. Yeah. Especially doctors on Wednesdays. 
There you go. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show tonight with us here Thanks on Sky Watchers me. Radio. Been a blast, my friend. Take care. Take care, buddy. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Scott Marlowe from the Pingia Institute. Uh, good time with Scott. Very good. I enjoyed that one. Get a little heated there in the middle. but <laughs> Good times. I, I think hey, he, I... Didn't, he didn't enjoy that question about me uh, asking uh, what makes him uh, more upset. Bigfoot uh, being an alien or, uh, you know, eh, Bigfoot, uh, you know. I just don't believe Bigfoot. I don't know. Think you got upset by that question? A little bit. But, you know, these things happen. <laughs> uh, that was fun, though. Skywatchers Radio, everybody. We'll be back next week with another great show, I promise. It's going to be good. This one was a lot of fun, though, with Terry Wickham in the first hour and uh, Scott Marlowe no. in the second hour. Devil's Five, by the way, everybody, please check that out again on Indiegogo. If you can, uh, you know, give a few bucks and uh, get a couple perks. It looks like a really fun flick. And, uh, uh, look, I love the indie scene. I love indie horror movies and stuff. And, uh, you know, I I would like to direct some myself, but uh, I'm just glad that I skipped out of that one offer I had. Well, these things happen. (laughs) Yeah, Nancy was giving me stuff about it on on, uh, Skype, by the way. Oh? Yeah, she was like, ah, gay zombies, ha, 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 ha. Not yeah, cool. well, you know, that, it, that would be interesting, you know. Uh, yeah. Drag hell, free plug. There you go. Go check it out. <laughs> uh, guys, we're, we're all out of time here on Skywatchers Radio. This is the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. Stick around for more programming. And remember, the clock keeps counting down. Pretty soon. The return. The big guy returns. And we are so looking forward to it. Until next time, keep looking up to the skies. Good night, everybody. And and take a camera with you when you're looking up in the sky. Yes, yes. And if you see a Bigfoot, make sure you record it. Or put a bullet in its head, please. Yeah. Shoot him. Bring him, you know, bring him somewhere where we can dissect him and prove that he's real. I'll bring the Ginsu. Yes, he will. He has a lovely pair of Ginsu knives. That's right. For only $9.99. I seen him. I still recall our sad last day, how it hurts so bad to see her cry.